We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com, here today with Bears insider Aaron Lemming. What is the good word? Oh, man, it's getting closer to training camp. I was sitting there thinking about it. It's like we're almost, well, we're still kind of at the beginning of June, but we're almost in the middle of June, which means we're uh, about a month and a half away from camp. I'll take it. Yeah, we're right at the end of OTAs here in the final week of off-season training activities. Next week will be veteran minicamp, three days of practice, and then after that, it's, uh, I think, about six weeks off, and then we're at training camp. So uh, I believe July 26th is when the players check in. And uh, I, most they haven't put out the schedule yet, but uh, typically uh, training camp starts the following day. So I'm assuming the 27th will be the start of training camp. So, yeah, it's going to be here before you guys even know it. Uh, but, uh, you know, OTA is going on right now. Bears are practicing a few things going on, a few roster moves, a few things have happened since our last podcast. And uh, the biggest news, I would say, is uh, with Cameron Meredith, who uh, it was reported uh, that he has a some ligament damage in his thumb and the Bears were considering surgery on that, but either way, he is only expected out four to six weeks. Uh, will miss the remainder of OTAs as well as veteran minicamp, but they think he's going to be back for the start of training camp. How big is this for him? Um, I, I don't. It's tough to tell because it's just you know minicamp and a little bit of OTAs. But at the same time, with with how unpredictable and unproven really that their their receiving group is, it's kind of tough when your projected number one receiver already has an injury i mean it just seems like it never ends with this team it's one thing after another and i don't know that there's ways that you can control certain things on that happen like this but it just it, it you have to wonder i mean is this ever going to end but it's it's definitely not a positive i can i can definitely say that i i think if he comes back during training camp you know if he's ready to go for training camp i, I don't think it's too big of a deal but 
as we've seen in the past, the Bears have a way of downplaying uh, injuries that could turn into something more. So I'm not overly confident that he's going to be back for the beginning of training camp, but hopefully it's, it is what they say it is. Yeah, and this is a report that came out. I believe it was the Tribune was the first to report it, and obviously the Bears, they don't have to say anything about injuries at this No NFL team does at this point in the season, so they're, they're definitely not going to say anything about it. Even if he did have surgery, and there are some rumors that he did have surgery, we don't know yet, and we probably, you know, we may never know unless Meredith actually addresses it at some point. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a huge deal. I mean, uh, Cameron Meredith, is, this is, we're, we're coming into his third season in the NFL, oh, about 900 yards last season. Uh, I, you know, I don't think a, a couple of weeks of practice is really going to hurt him. I, I think this is more of an opportunity for some of the other guys down on the list. I mean, this is a crowded wide receiver group as we look at it right now. And, you know, guys like, uh, you know, that they're really fighting for maybe that last spot, you know, the Tanner Gentrys and the, and the Josh Bellamy's. I mean, the, they're going to get those extra reps now. And I think some other guys are going to get some, some first-team reps. So, I mean, I think this is fine for Meredith as well, as long as he recovers fine and comes back to, to, to perfect health. But uh, I think it's an opportunity for some other guys, that, for their coaching staff, to give them a look. Same thing we talked about last week with the Sanchez, uh, Mark Sanchez injury, in that, you know, Trubisky was going to move up and they were going to get a closer look at Connor Shaw. I think some of these guys down the line, that the Bears are going to get a better feel for them because there's a lot of new names in this wide receiver group. And who knows, maybe, you know, this is this would just be a blessing in disguise. I mean, am I being too positive about this? You know, I it definitely does give some of the other guys reps, but I think at this point in time, you kind of need reps for every single one of these guys, including Meredith. I think Meredith probably has the highest upside out of any of these guys, realistic upside. I mean, we've talked about Kevin White uh, and missing his first two seasons of all but four games. I don't think there's really as, as much of an upside as there was when he was picked back in 2015. So... I think I guess there's multiple ways of looking. Like I said, it's probably not a big deal as long as he comes back. He's ready for camp. He gets everything that he needs to do in camp, and you know gets a full preseason in. It's probably not a big deal, uh, and it helps maybe kind of solve some of the some of the bottom end of the the depth chart right now. Although it, it still seems like the first five receivers are all but uh, figured out right now. But you know. We'll just have to see. I, I think if if this is the the biggest of their injuries uh, for the entire off season and you know uh, in the OTA not uh, OTAs but training camp and preseason, then I think they're in good shape. But as we've seen in the past, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah, and I, I think if they, if you're looking at the wide receiver core group right now, I think actually the best guy to, to go down would be Cameron Meredith, just because you, know, you look at all the new veteran faces: uh, Kendall Wright, uh, Ruben Randall, Victor Cruz. Uh, you know, those guys need to get. Uh, you know, in sync in this offense. And, you know, Cameron Merritt has been in this offense. He knows what to do. You know, this isn't a learning, uh, there's no big learning curve for for Cam Merritt this year. So I think for some of the younger guys, it's a good opportunity. And, and the veterans just to make, you know, they're not sharing reps with the guy who already knows the offense. So I think if there was any guy who needed to go out or who could, you know, afford, to, they could afford to lose right now, it is Merritt. But I do think they're going to be relying heavily on him when the season comes. So it's going to be, a, a, you know, a priority and a, and a big, uh, you know, somebody something to watch here as we head into training camp as to as to his health and where he's had uh, where he's at coming into uh, when the Bears rode down to Bourbon A. So we'll definitely keep a, keep track of him. We'll talk about Connor Shaw and um, the trip that he had to make. The Bears released him uh, last Tuesday, and uh, he just got in his car and started heading home. And that that's when uh, a few hours later, Mark Sanchez got hurt at practice, and the Bears called him, and he was just south of Lexington, Kentucky. And you and I looked. Uh, that's about four hours away 
uh, from Chicago, and he basically just turned the car around and, and drove all the way back, had a nice eight-hour trip right there, and, and joined the team the next day. And uh, there he was. He was out of practice. He's the third-string quarterback right now. Yeah, it's I. It's almost kind of hard to believe. It makes you kind of wonder, like, what the timeline really was from the time that they actually they legitimately released him to the time that we actually found out. And it sounds like, I mean, he was got pretty far away. Um, but I think this is, I mean, we and we kind of talked about it last week. I think this is a good opportunity for him to kind of show. I know they're really looking for. I mean, they've got their young, uh, you know, their their future. But I also think it's it's never a bad thing to have talent at the quarterback position even guy like Connor Shaw which at least from what I've read with his contract status I think because of the injury last year he actually has an extra year of control so he should have been a restricted free agent this year but he's still an exclusive rights free agent at least to my understanding that next year he'll be a restricted free agent so if you look at it and you say okay you know Glenn may or may not be here next year depending on money uh you know, you look at him and you say, okay, well, this is somebody who they still have under control for two years. And I think there's some value in that. Um, obviously, we've kind of talked about him. We don't need to beat a dead horse over a third or fourth string quarterback. But I think this is somewhat of a blessing in disguise for Connor Shaw. I definitely don't uh, envy him having to drive 400 miles or whatever it was. Uh, I drive about 30 miles one way to work every day and it gets annoying. And anytime <laughs> I have to turn back halfway through to go grab something I forgot, I get irritated. So, I can't even imagine, you know, driving 400 miles right. and then be like, oh, okay. But at the same time, uh, at least he's still got his job, and, you know, I'm, I guess that's cool. But it's definitely a, an interesting story and hopefully something that he doesn't have to relieve again. Yeah, I said I said four hours. I meant, I meant 400 miles. It was actually six hours away. So uh, quite a hike for China Shaw. Big, big driving day for him. But, uh, I, you know, I think he's probably going to stick around for as long – as Sanchez is hurt, and if anybody else goes down, then then Tyron Shaw is going to, uh, uh, you know, hang out of that roster spot. But I don't think they're going to go into camp with four, four guys. So really, you know, Tyron Shaw's time with the Bears is really going to be dependent upon uh, the health of the guys in front of him. So we'll we'll see how long he's around. Remember last year, you know, he looked good in that one preseason game. So maybe there is still a little left uh, for him. But uh, you know, being down on the fourth, the fourth guy in the depth chart, not a, not an ideal spot to be in. So we'll see what happens with him. One thing I wanted to talk about, and I've written about it a couple uh, couple times this week, and I, I wrote about it today. And I don't think we ever really discussed this, and that was the fact that uh, Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator, is going to be going. Uh, for the last couple of years, and I don't know what he did in San Francisco, but he's always spent the practice time with the inside linebackers, always. I mean, that's that's where he is. That's where his focus has been the last couple of years. And that makes sense uh, because, you know, the, the inside linebacker is the quarterback of the defense, really, and he's the guy who Fangio talks to through the headset. So you would want that communication to be, you know, set in stone, real solid, you know, make sure that they, he knows exactly what he needs to be doing. So it makes sense for him to work at the uh, with those inside linebackers, but this year he's going to be working with the outside linebackers, and I, I think there's a couple reasons for that. One, uh, Brandon Staley, the new outside linebackers coach, has no NFL experience, has a good good amount of collegiate experience, but has never coached in the NFL before. And I think you know Fangio wants to make sure that you know uh, his system is being put put across correctly, and maybe take a little bit of the burden off of a guy who's, who's just getting up at this level. And the second thing is, I, you know, you look at what the Bears did last season, and uh, the, their numbers defensively weren't horrible. I know that they gave up way too many points, but, uh, you know, you look at their sacks, I think they had the 12th most sacks in the in the league last year, and pro, uh, I'm sorry, football outsiders uh, gave them a 26.5% pressure rate, which I think was 13th best. So they're a top half of the league last year in you know pressures in sacks and that includes uh you know having to deal with 
predominantly Fee missing seven games and not being real healthy for, for the nine games that he was out there. You know, uh, Leonard Floyd not being able to stay healthy. And, uh, you know, they were still able to get really good production in, the, in that sack category, in that pressure category. And I think, you know, we still have a secondary that has a lot of questions. And I think Fangio is looking at it and saying, hey, I need to make sure that I'm getting the most out of these outside linebackers, out of these edge rushers, so that, you know, if there are still issues in the secondary, we can mask some of those with the pressure, make sure that, you know, guys like Leonard Floyd are developing and, you know, try and get a little bit more out of maybe somebody like Sam Ocho if he makes the team, uh, maybe, you know, help Lamar Houston stay on the field. I mean, whatever it takes uh, to really ramp up that pass rush. And I, I, I think that's a really good thing. I, I think that inside there's a, you know, there's enough experience at that inside linebacker position, especially with Joel Freeman there, where he can kind of hand that off and really focus on these outside linebackers. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a good idea. I mean, like you said, with with who they brought in, Brandon Staley, with no NFL experience, I think it's a smart idea. I mean, especially you look at the secondary, and obviously a secondary has not been good. I think that's more of a lack of talent than anything else. But Ed Donatello is one of the more respected secondary coaches in the league. So yeah. I, I, you really have that locked down. And, they, and it, you look at what they did last year. I mean, like you said, what, you know, the, they were above average as, as far as you know pass rushing goes. And you have... You know, you look at some of the names you have there, and you have a lot of investments in in that outside linebacker position. I mean, between obviously Leonard Floyd, they traded up for him last year, number one, number nine overall pick, and then you have Pernell McPhee, who's been, uh, at least to my knowledge, I think he's the second uh, biggest in terms of money wise, and uh, second biggest investment that Ryan Pace has made in free agency since he's been here, outside of Mike Glennon uh, this year. And you look at Lamar Houston, Willie Young. I mean, all these guys are making uh, over $5 million, except I think Floyd's right on that, and you know he's on his rookie contract. So, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense for, for him to put a little bit more into that because if they have a more consistent uh, pass rush, it's definitely going to help things out, and especially with the secondary when nobody really knows what's going to go on with that. I think that's probably the biggest question mark, but, I mean, you can never really have a uh, – you know, have too much of a pass rush. Sure, and I, you know, I think, like you said, and I mentioned it earlier, what they were able to do, uh, considering the, you know, the injuries that they had last year. I mean, almost every one of their outside linebackers dealt with a, a serious injury at some point during last season. I think Willie Young was really the only guy who was able to stay relatively healthy all year. Sam Acho was all right, but. Uh, you know he's not being relied upon in that pass rush role. I, you know, I think that that, you know, there's enough talent there where you put Fangio in that room, in that in that, that OLB room. You get him on top of them every day in practice. He's going to get the most out of those guys, and I think that's especially true uh, for a young guy like Leonard Floyd. Uh, you know, health is going to be a big concern with Floyd, but if he can stay on the field and, you know, he's got a full season of Fangio watching him, everything that he does and every move that he makes on film and all those film sessions with Fangio right over his shoulder, that has to be a good thing. I mean, Fangio's been doing this since the Reagan era and, you know, he's he's had he had one of the most successful four-year stretches of any defensive coordinator in NFL history uh, when he was with the, with the 49ers. So, he, he's got a track record. He knows what he's doing, and it, you know he, it can only be a good thing to have him on those guys. And I, so I expect increased production out of those outside linebackers, assuming everybody stays healthy. And I, I really think they can be a strength of the team with Fangio uh, in charge there. So that that got me a little excited. It was something that I, I, I knew. I I remember uh, it was mentioned back in January. It was the first time that it came out. And I I didn't really think too much about it. But then we were talking about it this week, and Willie Young talked about it, and Pernell McPhee talked about it a little bit too. And it was. 
you know, they're they're excited for it. So it got me a little bit of excited as well to see if these guys can really, you know, take that next step and really become, you know, the strength of the team. You, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it so much. You, you get good pass rush, you can do anything on defense. It gives you so much freedom and flexibility. So uh, for the Bears' sake, you hopefully that, you know, Fangio's presence there can really get the most out of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's going to be a big key. I mean, it's a big key for any defense, but it's especially a big key for a Bears' defense that, I mean, they're probably going to be short uh, with with Trevathan. I, I, I can't imagine. I, I just cannot see him starting the year yeah, ready either. to go and playing. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at, you know, a little bit weaker of a, uh, you know, inside linebacking group. Uh, the secondary as a whole is a little questionable. They were pretty bad against a run last year. I think that's going to improve as long as Eddie Goldman's healthy. And Jay Howard obviously helps it out. So I think getting that pass rush dialed up, and they have a lot of decisions to make. I think that's another thing that, that may, you know, people may want to look into the future a little bit here and, and see you have a guy like Lamar Houston who, honestly, I didn't think he was going to make the roster just for the simple fact I figured they'd go out and either sign, you know, a, a, a cheaper outside linebacker, you know, fourth guy, or they would draft somebody in the, in the mid-round. So obviously that didn't happen. But you've got Lamar Houston, you have Pernell McPhee, uh, you know, and you have Willie Young to a certain extent. I mean, these are all guys that are making pretty good money next year, and nobody really has big cap around it ramifications especially with McPhee and especially with Houston so uh in a sense this is kind of somewhat of a tryout basis I would I would assume if you know McPhee's healthy he's going to play good uh but I think especially a guy like Lamar Houston uh who's been injured you know a a pretty good amount since he's been with the Bears I think that's going to be something to watch out for I really do I think you look at the money involved and you look at, uh, you know, it's way too early to look in the draft, but I'm going to anyway. And you look at some of the strengths <laughs> next year and there's there's good pass rushers. Arden Key's one of them. Uh, we won't get too deep into that, but it, there's the Bears have good flexibility moving forward with salary caps. And obviously they don't really spend big in free agency anyway, but there's a lot of flexibility, especially at the outside linebacker position. And I, I, I think that. Come next year, regardless of what happens, I, I can't see them keeping all the guys that they're keeping, uh, you know, especially with the money. I mean, obviously, Leonard Floyd's going to be here for a while, but I think especially Lamar Houston and Pernell McPhee, uh, health pending on McPhee, I think those are two guys that are really kind of going to kind of battle it out next year to see because they, they can't be paying, uh, you know, a, a fourth outside linebacker $9 million a year. It just doesn't make any sense. So, and that could be another reason behind it. I mean, that's just pure speculation on my part. That may have nothing to do with it. But there's definitely a little bit more involved with it uh, than just, you know, production. This is a money aspect, and especially moving in in the next few years. Uh, if they're looking to cut space in, in certain areas, outside linebacker would make a lot of sense. Well, it would be really helpful for them to make that type of decision if Leonard Floyd, you know, takes another step forward this year and that gives him the confidence that he can be that number one pass rusher. You know, you pair him uh, with Pernell McPhee, and, you know, McPhee was asked about that. You know, what kind of duo can they be? And, he th- you know, he said they can be a special duo. It can be a dominant duo. So uh, if that does happen, then then those decisions are a little bit easier when you come to those those veterans. So uh, a lot of it's going to be on Floyd and his production this season and whether or not he's able to stay on the field. And that, that, this is a good way to transition into OTAs, and let's, let's stick with the pass rush. Um, Akeem Hicks, last couple practices, has continued – uh, what I saw out of him during OTAs last season. I mean, if uh, you know, Bear Report subscribers know that, and, and anybody who listens to the podcast knows that, you know, I was talking up Akeem Hicks like crazy during training camp last year and during OTAs, and I knew he was going to have one of those great seasons just by the way that he was playing. 
against his teammates. I mean, just dominating his teammates. And sure enough, he goes out and gets a career-high seven sacks. And I don't see that stopping this year. I've seen him a couple times so far just manhandle, manhandle Cody Whitehair like Cody Whitehair is not even like Cody Whitehair is in, 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 still in, in college. You know, I mean, it just, just working him over. And I think if Jay Howard brings a little bit more you know, then obviously a guy like Mitch Unrein or any of the other, the uh, you know, the five technique, more two jack guys that they've had at that position. If you can get a little bit out of Jay Howard and, and Akeem Hicks continues what he's doing, boy, oh boy, if you push a pocket in the face of opposing quarterbacks, that's when you really be disruptive. And then if you got Fangio getting the most out of those outside linebackers, that's, you know, I think that's worth getting excited. I mean, it's still early, come on, but it's worth getting excited about, no? No, I, I think so, and you know, I actually wrote something. I think it was, I think it was earlier this week. Maybe it was last week. No, I think it was last week. I can't even. Uh, every every week's running together lately. But and, and I think you look at, and we talked about this a little bit, but you look at Akeem Hicks, and then let's say Jay Howard has a good year, and you look at both of those guys, and I just can't see them spending twenty to twenty five million dollars annually on those two guys to keep. So I think another big. Uh, really a big key in this especially with the defensive line is going to be Jonathan Bullard and I think you've had some very positive things to say about him I think you could definitely expand a little bit more on how he looks you know this week but uh to be able to have let's just say four guys that you know you can kind of pick and choose from Bullard I mean he's he's only going in the second year I mean he's a controllable guy so then it would give you the the option to take the better of the two or maybe the the more financially responsible of the two with Hicks and Howard assuming they both have good years but uh, there's a big potential, not even so much, or not even so much, but with uh, with the pass rush, obviously, but even even against the run, I, I think the Bears' front seven as a whole has the ability to to really take this defense from being, you know, I would say above average right now. Uh, I think you got to kind of put some context on last year and say, okay, you know, the, the offense put them in some awful positions, uh, but I mean, their 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 front seven has the opportunity to make them. A, I, I don't know if I'd say top five unit, but I'd say anywhere from top seven to top ten uh, it, just off that alone. I mean, it, not even talking about the secondary. But with that being said, I think two guys like, you know, uh, Jonathan Bullard and, and Roy Robertson-Harris are going to be big for the development of the future, and that's going to help uh, Ryan Pace out a lot. How do those guys look? Yeah, well, I think it's a good point about Bullard, and in the same way that we were talking about uh, Leonard Floyd. I mean, that those decisions become a lot easier. If you have to decide between Akeem Hicks and Jay Howard, you know, it's not going to kill you to, to lose one of them because you know that you have Jonathan Bullard who's right, you know, ready to, to take that next step. And again, it, we talked about Bullard a little bit last week and uh, in, in his performance at, tra- at OTAs last Tuesday. Again, he looked good yesterday as well. And I saw him one, one snap where he, he, uh, he timed the snap and uh, quick swim move, and he was in uh, Trubisky's face in about a second and a half. And Trubisky had to roll out. It would have been an easy sack for him. And those are the things that you saw out of, uh, when, when he was on the film at Florida, uh, that quick get-off and his ability to, to uh, anticipate the snap count. He's even talked about that, too, and how that, that's one of his, uh, his best traits. And uh, you see that, and you see that get-off, and you see him being disruptive like that. And it does give you the hope that he will take that next step this year. I mean, really, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised to see anything out of Jonathan Bullard right now just because of how little, you know, what little he was able to accomplish during his rookie season. And there's no pads right now. So this isn't as uh, full contact practices, um, which typically gives the the, uh, the advantage to the offensive lineman. But he's just out there uh, making plays left and right. So if he's able to, t- to take what he's done now, put the pads on, carry that into training camp, I don't see any reason why he can't be 
the player that we all thought he was going to be. I think you and I agreed. We thought that he was uh, the the best pick that they had in last year's draft, and then he didn't do anything. Um, really disappointing then, but you know sometimes some guys take a little while. So I think if it, if it was just a matter of him taking one year, needing that rookie season to really get his legs underneath him. Uh, it's showing right now, and I think it, all he has to do is just continue building on what he's been able to do over the last uh, couple of weeks. And I think uh, you know a lot of potential for that guy heading into training camp. Really excited to see what he does when the when the pads come on. Roy Robertson Harris hasn't flashed in the same way that Jonathan Bullard has, but um, you know he's still that he, he's he's too dapping in there, and, and I think he looks much more comfortable in that five technique spot than he did at the outside linebacker spot. I just don't think he has the, the quickness to play outside and, you know, dropping into coverage, it was a mess for him. So I, you know, he added a little bit of weight. It's, it's clear. I mean, he's, we've talked about how, you know, what a physical specimen he is. So that power, that size on the inside, it should give him an opportunity to at least be, uh, you know, a rotational piece as, a, as like a, I said before, a two gap. Uh, run defender who can really get up there and, 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 and plug holes. I think he has the size and the power to do it. Now it's just about him learning that position. So he's another guy, you know, once the pads come on, we'll get a, we'll get a much better feel for, for uh, Bullard and Roy Robertson-Harris, especially Robertson-Harris because we haven't seen him in so long. Yeah, I, Robertson-Harris is very interesting because I think the Bears value him or else they wouldn't have been able to oh, stick yeah. him away like they did last year. And I just seen pictures of him. I haven't seen him up close yet, uh, but just seen pictures of him. He looks a lot bigger. Dude, six seven. I mean, yeah. I, I am six eight, and I understand how hard it can be to move. And you know, I'm I'm about two oh five, and he's running about you know even when he was playing middle line or outside linebacker, he was rolling right around two sixty. So it's like you add that weight on, and it, it's no it's no surprise at all that he wasn't able to play outside linebacker. He's not an in space kind of guy, and I think. Uh, making making the transition. I want to say he's right around 285, 290 now, so it definitely makes sense for him. Now, moving on with the defense, uh, it seemed like last week was definitely the, uh, the 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 secondary was the I guess you could say the most valuable position of the uh, of the practice that you guys were able to see. Was it that same way this week? Yeah, and again, it's it's hard to it's it's difficult to gauge whether or not this is a. a, a vastly improved secondary or a uh, much worse offense. It's, 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 it's difficult to tell. We'll, we'll talk about the quarterbacks in a little while, but uh, Prince of Mukamara is, is, had another strong practice, and uh, one of the most impressive plays, he, he had a couple interceptions last week, but one of the most impressive plays he had in uh, yesterday's practice was just a uh, red zone drills uh, pass to the back corner of the end zone against uh, Shaheen, who's six seven, so Mukamara's given up six or seven inches right there, probably about you know eighty pounds or so as well, and he even back down. He got the PBU and not the ball away, and I, you know to me that's that shows a lot. I know that Shaheen's just a rookie. I mean, um, you know he's not going up against Anthony, uh, Tony Gonzalez, but you know the, to to be able to match up against a guy who who has you outweighed and and you know outsized by that much, a very impressive Mukamara has been very vocal on the field and just really been shutting down whoever comes across him. And to me, that's that's exact. I, I didn't ex- have those type of expectations for him. I mean, uh, he dealt with injuries with New York, didn't get any interceptions last season, but Fangio had good things to say about him, and he actually thought that he, he played better uh, for the Jaguars last year than he ever did. Uh, previous to that. So, uh, I mean, I'm seeing it on the field, and I think Amukamara, I, I think right now he's the best guy that they have in the secondary. And, you know, this is a guy, you got to remember, he was a former first-round pick uh, in, I believe it was 2011. And, 
you know, it didn't pan out for him in New York, but the still set is there. The size and the you know the the ability is there. I, th- I think injuries really took a toll on him. That probably caused some comp- possibly some confidence issues, uh, similar to what Kyle Fuller has gone through. But uh, right now he's he's out there playing like a Pro Bowler. And, you know, we we talked about the question marks in the secondary and how guys need to step up up front to to mask those. But maybe you don't need that stellar pass rush all the time if a guy like Amukamara can really step up and be your number one guy. Yeah, and I, I think Amuka Moore stepping up because you look at you know they they didn't really make a big financial commitment to uh, Marcus Cooper um, in with Amuka Moore he's on a one year deal but I it's one of those prove it deals because we've seen in the past that Ryan Pace will reward guys and I think really they're just kind of seems like they're just kind of throwing things out there and hoping something sticks and if Amuka Moore because I I was a big fan of him coming out of college I mean I, I'm an Oklahoma fan so I got to see a pretty good amount of him at Nebraska and. He's always been a good player, and it's weird because he used to be a playmaker, and I think injuries have definitely slowed him down, and I think that's the biggest thing with him. If he can stay healthy, I think I would say probably his floor at this point would be uh, you know, Tracy Porter when he was actually playing good with the Bears. Maybe not as many interceptions, but I, he's he's very solid in coverage. And you know, it, I would take the trade-off of maybe him having an interception or two a year if he's going to be that guy that's able to lock things down and be that number one corner because that's something the Bears haven't had in a while. So sure. I, I think the secondary as a whole is going to be very interesting to see. And I think, obviously, it's a, I think it's probably a little bit of a combination of both. You know, The offense is going to take a lot of time because you have essentially three new quarterbacks out of the four, and I, I don't even know if you could really count Connor Shaw right now, uh, that are learning the playbook and getting in there, and you've got basically a whole new group of receivers. You lost your second-best offensive weapon last year with uh, Alshon Jeffrey as a receiver. I mean, so th- there's a lot of changes going on. And, yeah, and but there's, so, so, there's a lot of changes in the secondary, too, and that's what makes me think that maybe this isn't just you know the offense struggling because with with so many new faces in the secondary, I mean, we're talking about three new starters in the secondary right now, So and they're still lighting it up. So I, I don't know. It makes me think that maybe it's not just the offense. Maybe these guys are playing up, you know, are going to really improve the secondary. I mean, I don't know, but it's good, it's really good to see them playing well right now. Yeah, that is a good point. And I, I guess with that, we can move move on to the, the, the position everybody is you know, most focused on every week, including myself, and that's quarterback at – I know you you said that Glennon and Trubisky had uh, somewhat of a rough week last week. Has that improved at all? Uh, no, I mean, it wasn't as bad as last week, but uh, yeah, they, I mean, it's definitely clear that both these guys are learning on the fly here, and they're not completely comfortable in the offense. And I don't think anybody should expect them to be. Um, but yeah, they're 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 struggling out there. Trubisky got second team reps because of the injury to, to Sanchez, so. Uh, he was out there with a lot of guys who were going to be uh, putting in meaningful minutes this year. So I think that's going to be a benefit for him. He's also playing against a second-team defense and some of the guys out there on that side who are going to be getting meaningful reps too. So, uh, you know, he's playing at a higher level of competition, and, and, you know, he's still putting the ball into harm's way. I mean, he did it a few times. And I, I, will, I will say that he started off practice very well. Um, and was and really was lighting it up during seven on seven drills. Once that once that pass rush got in there, uh, he started to struggle. Really struggled in those red zone drills too. Glennon wasn't a, a whole ton better. I, I will say that Glennon had a pretty pretty fade pass to Deontay Thompson in the back corner of the end zone. So you see, you know, he, and he made a few. You know, these guys are, are are completing passes. I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying they're out there looking like, uh, you know, the next time you had Cade McDowell, but this is. 
obviously a learning process for for both those guys. And you know, Connor Shaw too. Uh, Connor Shaw didn't have a great practice either. So I, you know, these guys are all, you know, we're in we're stage one of stage, you know, fifteen twenty potential stages here, and it's it's obvious. And you know, I, I'm not gonna panic. It's not time to panic at all. You know, I, you see these ebbs and flows in practices all the time, uh, but you, you just hope that for the sake of the offense that when it, training camp comes or maybe next week they're going to have, you know, they're going to get the, the the better of the defense on occasion. You know, you want to see start seeing, you know, a little bit of back and forth instead of the defense just dominating every single day because that's going to wear down the offense, potentially hurt their confidence. So, uh, you know, I, I think it would be good to see them get out there and, and make some plays. They do make the occasional play. Just a little bit more consistency out of these guys would give me a little bit more faith in them. But if, you know... Right now, I, and I, I distress this a little bit on the Bear Report message boards. I just don't. I'm not. I'm not sold on Mike Lennon. I mean, I, I'd love to get everybody hyped up and say that he's the, he's the next guy. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll prove me wrong. But right now, I, I, I don't. I don't feel great about Mike Lennon. I, my gut's telling me that his time as starter wasn't going to be long, and his time as a starter isn't going to be long. So, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I, you know, I'm not predicting anything right now. I'm just saying that. He, he's got he's to raise his level to play real soon. Well, and I, I find that interesting because you would expect, especially from a guy like Trubisky, who really didn't – I mean, he didn't play in a pro-style offense at all in college. He had 13 starts. You know, the, the list goes on and on and on as to why he would be, I guess you could say, struggling or, you know, maybe not showing as much as a veteran guy like Mike Lennon who's been in the league going on five years. So right. – and that's kind of what makes me wonder is it, it's like – we're going to see big bounds from Trubisky's and it's probably going to uh, Trubisky's Trubisky. And it's probably going to come in spurts. Uh, and I think a lot of that we're probably going to see during, uh, during um, training camp. I mean, and he, he's basically said, I mean, he, he's never put so much time and, and work and effort into anything that he has with the playbook in his whole entire life. So I get it. I mean, his head's probably swimming, uh, but you talk about Glennon and it's like, I mean, <laughs> Ryan Pace talked him up. And John Fox talked him up. And this is a guy, and I've been very vocal from the very beginning. I don't like Mike Lennon. I, I, it, not as a person. I just don't like him as a player. I, I, he may be a cool dude. I like him in the fact that he's 6'7". I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, he's got the Napoleon Dynamite look going for him. But as a quarterback, I don't see – I mean, I, and I tried so hard because most, most Bears signings, most Bears draft picks, I can, I can sit down and watch enough to say, okay, you know what, I can – I can see why they did it with Mike Lennon. To this day, I still I can't see it. And granted, Tampa Bay, man, they oh man, they, it was awful. I, I I can't even begin to describe. And I'm sure most people have at least seen some of his games. He had a, he didn't have much to work with at all. But I just don't see it with him. And I I do find it interesting and somewhat concerning that I mean he's not he in my mind he should be looking miles better right now. Even though he's learning the same offense, I mean he's had more time, but he should be looking miles better than Mitch Trubisky right now and, and the fact that he isn't it has to make you wonder I mean obviously we're a while away and like you said you can't really crown anybody yet but let's just say that Trubisky starts looking better I mean if Trubisky truly is the better quarterback and we have a long way to go uh if it was me and he's ready I mean do you even do you even look at the 15 million that they're giving Mike Glennon or do you say okay well Trubisky's a better quarterback so that's who we're going to start I think you start the kid. I don't think the money that you paid Mike Lennon means anything. I said that from the very start. I mean, even before the draft, I mean, we talked about it. Um, you know, what they paid him, 
you know, I think he's still one of the lowest paid starting quarterbacks in the NFL. That's market price. It's what you pay a starting quarterback. And it wasn't going to preclude them from taking a first-round quarterback. And that's not only did they do that, they traded up to do it. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to preclude them from starting that first-round quarterback either. I mean, I, I think that if Trubisky's the guy, then he's the guy. And, and, you know, it could be a situation similar to what happened with Carson Wentz last year where the team had best intentions of sitting him, but... Uh, you know, Wentz proved that he was the best guy for the job, and I, you know, it it could happen with Trubisky. The thing is, Trubisky's not lining it up right now. So I, I I think if this if it stays on this same path where both guys aren't really doing much, you're still going to put Mike Lennon out there. I think Trubisky has to prove it, has to go out there and show that he is the better quarterback. He hasn't done that so far, but I don't think there's any. I don't think. The $14.5 million that Mike Lennon is making this year is going to mean anything, especially with Ryan Pace, who, you know, this is his his future's tied to, to Trubisky, not Mike Lennon. So, you know, if he has any influence on who's going to be out on the field or, you know, can get in John Fox's ear, he's going to be pushing for the kid. So, uh, and that's and the same's going to go for the media, same's going to go for fans, especially if the season starts off rough, which you and I have talked about a lot, which there's a very good possibility that's going to happen. Um, you know that it it could happen right then, but it may happen even earlier, like we talked about. I mean, Trubisky comes out and lights it up in preseason. It, it could definitely be his job. I'm not I'm not ruling that out at all. And if Lennon doesn't, you know, get his act together here soon, that the odds of that happening become more and more likely as we go down the road. Yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I think this is going to be a closer battle. My biggest concern, just as a fan, is the fact that I'm not 100 percent sure that that John Fox and I don't really have anything to base this off of, but I'm not hundred percent sure that John Fox has enough. Uh, I guess I don't even know really what you would say. Uh, like, you know, I, I don't know if he's fair enough to say, okay, Trubisky's a better quarterback. That's who we're going to start. Um, and that, that's just my personal feeling. And maybe it's just because I don't really trust him as a head coach. Uh, but I'm hoping if, if really, I mean, if, if Trubisky outplays him, I'm hoping he's the guy, but well, but, you know, we'll, I, it's, let me, let me, comment on that because I don't know how much I, I honestly don't know how much influence Fox would have in that decision. I, I really think that that would be Dow Loggins call and that you know if he thinks that Trubisky's the guy then all he really needs to do is you know I'm sure Fox will he's got the final say obviously but I think if Dow Loggins convinces Fox that you know Trubisky's a better guy then I think Fox is going to go that way. I mean you, you got to remember John Fox, he delegates. And I, I don't know if we've talked about this or if I've told this story before, but it's worth repeating. When uh, Mark Trestman was a head coach for two seasons, you know, down in Bourbon, you see coaches, you see players. They, it happened, used to happen more often, but every once in a while, you, you know, you see coaches and players out getting a drink, having, having dinner and whatnot. And I, I never once saw Mark Trestman ever anywhere outside of the practice field. I see John Fox out like every other night in Bourbon A. So here's a guy who's not sitting in his dorm room, you know, sweating over over game film and and play and playbooks and um, you know the, the the X's and O's and all the details. I mean, he's he delegates. So I, you know, his job is to screw up game day. He does that very well. But I don't, I, you know, I think the rest of it is on his coaching staff. So I, I you know, it's really. You know what? What Dow Loggins thinks is probably going to decide who the starting quarterback is. 
Yeah, and it's been kind of getting a little bit more into the, you know, what's going to help these quarterbacks out. I mean, has anybody really stood out, a tight end or receiver? I, I, I know, with obviously, with Meredith going to be down a little bit, we kind of talked about it. I mean, this is a big opportunity for some of these other guys to step up, whether that be Kevin White, Victor Cruz, Marcus Wheaton, uh, anybody, or even Adam Shaheen, Deion Sims. I mean, are any sure. of these guys looking like uh, good weapons right now? Oh, it's not Kevin White. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say of all those of all those guys, Marcus Wheaton has shown me the most. Kendall Wright had a pretty good practice a couple of weeks ago, but he hasn't done much since. But I think Marcus Wheaton has. I've seen the speed out of him. I've seen him get behind the defense a couple of times, and I know that might, you know, he's kind of a one trick pony, and that might be the limit uh, to his value. But there, you know, there's the you can do a lot with a guy who can who can take the top off of opposing defenses. So the speed is there with Marcus Wheaton. That's very good to see. Um, not seeing a whole lot out of the wide receiver group, though. I wish it was a guy who I could say is really, really lighting it up, but um, it's just not happening right now. I will say that, you know, Shaheen has been pretty solid since rookie minicamp, and I the same goes for Deion Sims. I, I, I think Deion Sims is going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to, both as a, as a blocker and as a pass fetcher, I mean, I saw him make a couple of catches yesterday, really snatch a ball out of the air, and showed me that, um, you know, he's a fluid runner, and notice how to find. Notice how I, I, I see him wide open all the time. So he's either beating uh, linebackers and safeties one on one, or really being able to uh, locate those open areas in zone coverage. But I think, you know, we talk about Shaheen a lot, and you know, people wonder what's going to happen with Zach Miller. Uh, don't sleep on Deion Sims. I think Deion Sims is going to be a, a major, major part of this offense. I mean, they're paying him like he's a major part of this offense. So I don't. I think that you know, he sh- from what he's shown me over the last three weeks. I definitely think that he has a still set to do it, and I think if if they're dedicated to him and don't get you know too uh, too geeked out over their new new rookie tight end, I think Sims can really really make an impact this season. Well, the last guy I've got to ask about, and I'm going to keep doing it every week. Is <laughs> I know who you're asking, Andy Phelps. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got to see him check finally. I knew you were going to ask. I was waiting for it. Uh, they didn't do field goal drills, but uh, they were the the. Bears were practicing in the far field, so again, I had my, my beautiful 50 yard, uh, fifty yards away vantage point. But right in front of us, on the near field, they started doing some kicking, uh, both Connor Barth and Andy Phillips. And uh, Phillips has a good leg. I mean, he, he knocked in three in a row from 53 yards. Um, our, the angle that we had was kind of weird, so it was kind of hard to tell if they were right down the middle or not, but he knocked them all three through. I, I did see him miss a couple 40-yarders. Um, so obviously consistency is something he's going to have to work on, but kids got a leg, that's for sure. So, um, you know, that, that, that's a good thing. I mean, if he was out there shanking these 50 yarders, I'd say he had no chance, but he was putting them through. So, I, you know, 53 yards, those are game winners right there. So he consistently does that here throughout the next couple of months, and uh, Connor Barth might be looking for work. We'll see, though. I mean, I, I, I would love for Andy Phillips to come out and really, you know, be the next Robbie Gold. Uh, but I can't call him that yet. We'll see. Well, he's got a, he's got a fun story, uh, and I think really people should look it up. I mean, it, and I won't get too far into it because I'm sure we're running out of time. Uh, but the one thing I will tell you, uh, talking to him, he's a cool dude. Uh, so if you ever get the chance to uh, you know interview him or sit down and talk with him, he's actually got some pretty interesting stories on all the stuff he's done. He's 28 years old. Uh, he's yeah. been on missions. He's been a skier, uh, U.S. skier for the in the Olympics and stuff like that. So. He's got a, you know, and talking to some of his former teammates, like he's a very, uh, very popular dude. And talking to him, I, I've noticed how, how 
cool he is. So if you ever get the chance, uh, sit down and talk with him. I think uh, you might have to bump with him. I'll tell you what I'll do next week. I'll uh, I'll request Andy Phillips, and maybe we'll get Andy Phillips on the podcast next week uh, with the interview that I'll be able to give him. That might uh, that might uh, give you a little bit of excitement there heading out of uh, minicamp. Yeah, I, I, you know, everybody's like, "Why are you obsessing over a kicker?" Yeah. You know, just and it's like I t- keep telling people, just, just let me have my moment. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't choose these guys; they choose me. You know, okay. it just it just happens. And he's he's my uh, he's my camp hero this year, and I'm hoping he makes it. I like it. I like it. So yeah, we are running uh, short on time. We do have time for a couple more minutes. Anything else you want to discuss? Are we good to go? Um, I think we're. I think we're pretty good. I mean, just yeah. kind of breaking down, and maybe you can give the give a little bit better of an idea than I can. I mean, we're we're the Bears are done with OTAs, so yeah. you know we got what next week is mini camp, and after that we got a six week break. Yeah, yeah. Um, next week will be the uh, mandatory mini camp, better mini camp is what it's also called. That'll be <clears throat> Tuesday through Thursday of next week, and then yeah, we're we're uh, that'll be it until July twenty seventh. Again, the official schedule for training camp has not come out, but they have told us that the players will report on the 26th. So I assume it starts on the 27th, which will be a Thursday. That's typically when it starts. That means that the first padded practice will be uh, that Saturday, the 29th. So that's 29th is always a day. If you want to, if anybody Bears fans want to come out there and you you, you think about coming out to Bourbon A, that's the best weekend to do it. 29th and the 30th, when they first get those pads on, that's, the stands are packed, the energies. Uh, you know, it fills it fills the air. The excitement's all there. Those are the best days. Um, it kind of peters out a little bit after that, uh, but you know, everybody's still excited. Those that first weekend when they get those pads on. So if you want to come out there, please uh, come out there and say hi to us. That's it, guys. Uh, thank you again for spending the last forty five minutes with us. Please follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can give me a follow as well at Bear Report. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and come check out all our work on the Bear Report Facebook page as well as bearreport.com. And you can talk to us all day, every day at the bearreport.com message boards. That's it, guys. Have a great week, and we'll be back next week talking about better information. Take care. Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.